Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello, hello. We were just joking pre-show. I do not have a Sonic update for you, but you'll have to tune in next week, Jocelyn, and we'll see what we can do. Yeah, (laughs) there's still a couple of announcements that are outstanding. I mean, I don't really want to do a weekly Sonic update, but if we have to, I guess we have to. (laughs) We may have to, but at this stage, uh, not maybe biweekly, you know. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So so what have you what have you been up to this week? What's going on? Well, I've been playing a brand new uh, roguelite game, and it's kind of funny. Me too. I know, but we're not, we did not play the same. I played a little we bit of your not. game. We did not. But no, I'm I'm going to talk about Dreamscaper, which is a roguelite that just came out of early access, and it is a game um, that has that that deals with uh, a, a woman, Cassidy, who is you know in the big city. And she's trying to like fit in because she's from a small town, and when she uh, when she goes to sleep, um, she uh, she goes into a, a dungeon world in her nightmares, nightmares, dreams, stress dreams. I haven't really gotten to the nightmare. Level. I guess the bosses would be kind of nightmare if you're like fighting a giant fish. That would be probably qualify as a nightmare. However. You enter the dream world, and that is where the roguelite is taking place, where you are fighting a bunch of monsters in your dreams to try to unravel the story bit by bit to try to figure out, uh, you know, what has happened to Cassidy, why she's moved to the big town, uh, what her family and her have gone through. And the story, similar to Hades, is like slowly unraveled as you go through the game. And I love the way roguelites have started to really focus in on adding story into the progression as you move forward. Um, Hades did this fantastically. uh, And, and that is really the best example, but I think with dreamscaper, they've really done a a great job of having, you know, pickups in the dream world that sort of unravel a little more story. Um, and in this case, you're finding like these little memory bubbles and you're clicking on them and that'll have a little bit of text pop up at the bottom. You know, the one and that brings up my one criticism of the game. There's a couple, but one of the biggest ones is there's no voice acting, which mm. is a struggle because when you pick up some of those memories where the story is is is, is sort of being explained to you, you can easily miss them if, if you don't know that the that the text is popping up so is when you pick them up you have to be ready to read because it's like right along the bottom and sometimes it could be hard to see because you know i'm playing on the tv here and you know it's like a lot of the early levels are very bright white sort of you know dreamscape sort of areas so it can be tough to catch that text and because it's not voice mm. acted you have to read it um, you can obviously go back into the menus and and find that text and read it again. Uh, it's all stored in your journal, so it's not the end of the world. Um, however, I, I really do feel like this game would benefit from voice acting because there is dialogue as well in it that you, again, not a deal breaker to have to read, but, you know, I kind of feel spoiled by other games that have full voice acting, and um, I really think the game would would benefit from some voice acting for sure. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really cool game. And, and honestly, like 
I think, I don't know about the roguelite you're going to talk about today, but I think, when I think of roguelites, I think of like, you go in, very stressful, don't die, don't die, don't die, get a bunch of power-ups, and oh, I died, and then you have to start all over. Like, there, mm-hmm. there is that in this game, um, but it's a little more, I find it's a little more relaxing. Like, the music isn't like, you know, kill kill everything blah you know <laughs> like hades was like hard rocking music this is like a little more laid back a little calmer music uh you are in a dream world and it's and it's not like a, a nightmare world it is a dream world you're still fighting things that are trying to kill you but it's a little more relaxed you know they're a little more cool <laughs> about it um you know they've they're they're listening to vinyl you know it's it's good mm. stuff there's literally a record store in the game that you can go to um and then you get, you get, uh, is it, it, I don't know if it would be called like record splaining. Like the, the, the woman behind the counter <laughs> is like talking to you as if like you don't belong <laughs> at this record store. And she's asking you all these questions like, man, I just, just came to buy a record. Like, what are you doing to me? Um, so yeah, there are these areas. So you have like the dream world. And then when you die and you wake up, um, you arrive in the real world and you're like, you can visit a bunch of spots on the map and that those uh points are basically areas where you can make permanent upgrades to your character to make your runs easier so it does have that hades uh roguelite aspect to it where you can make permanent changes to your character to make them stronger to make the runs easier and you are earning those currencies in the runs that you're doing so the longer you go the more power you gain, the easier it is to run. And then you also collect currencies to unlock a bunch of different stuff uh, in the real world that can then apply to the to the dream world. It's it's a really good loop. It's a really good setup. Um, and and it, it, and it feels very you know rewarding when you finish a good run and then you go into the real world and you're able to spend all this currency and, you know, uh, make your runs easier you're adding more stuff to the maps you're unlocking new powers and weapons to find it's got a really good progression setup like a really solid like one more run and i can get this power up type thing so it's got a lot going for it um on that side uh so yeah it's a it's a really fun game like i said voice acting would really help especially you know both in the dream world and outside because you're having conversations with characters and it can kind of be like sitting there watching text float above the characters' heads. And it can be tough. You, you might miss it at times. And I really think voice acting would help bring those characters alive as well. Um, which brings me to another fault. It's like the art style is really, really good. But they go with like the faceless characters. Oh, okay. Which is super haunting. Um, <laughs> every human being in this you entire mean just- game. Oh, okay. So not even just in the nightmare world, but like literally everywhere. Just no one has a face. No one has a face. You walk around, you go into that record store that that lady was giving you a hard time, made worse by the fact that no face. Um, Nobody has a face. The the lovely gentleman at the park who is a historian and and wants to tell you all about how um, he's a historian. No No face. face. (laughs) Um, the, The guy at the coffee shop who works at legal and what? no face yeah he, he works at legal at the company you work on and that's oh okay one of the first oh, conversations so he work at the coffee shop no he okay. works at co- people go like, with their laptops like in the legal department but then also like moonlights is a barista or whatever and i'm like um no judgments <laughs> no no judgments yeah. but like 
maybe pay your legal team a little more so they don't have to be a barista in their time off. <laughs> I, I think he was just, so you're, you're there. So there's a lot going on in the game where, um, again, like nothing is really explained to you at the beginning. The game literally starts with your character waking up in a room where she clearly just moved there boxes everywhere. Um, that or she has an impact, but I, I, the story does establish she just moved there and it starts with you sitting on a couch and playing a video game. And that video game is the tutorial for the combat. And from there, it just evolves. So the further you get into the dungeon, there are six levels. I've only beaten three because I'm terrible at road lights. Um, plus, there is a natural progression, so you have to unlock stuff. You're not just going to be able to finish it in one go. Um, although I suppose you could if you were really, really good. I'm not. Uh, so you, uh, the further you get in the dream world, your room... You know, you, you know, Cassidy becomes more comfortable with her new surroundings, her new environment, this new city, and you slowly see her room start to be more and more organized. You're unlocking more, you know, features. Um, you're unlocking more characters to interact with, and you can build. Um, and again, this is probably similar to to Boyfriend Dungeon, but you can you can build gifts. And I mean, you're not dating these characters, you're just sort of interacting with them, but um, you're building these gifts and you can give those gifts to the characters in the real world. And as you build those relationships, you can choose one of them to offer you uh, a buff in in the dream world. So, you know, some of them might be increase your armor, increase your fire damage, and you can switch those uh, every level you complete in the dream world. So... If for some reason you find, oh, I'm collecting a lot of fire weapons here for this next, you know, level, I'm going to switch over to the to the guy who gives me fire bonus. So there's a lot of flexibility there while you're in the runs, which I which I really appreciate um, because it's always random, right? You don't know who you're going to want. So you might pick a, an influence that works really well for the first level, and then you can modify that as you go forward through the levels and it, it works really well because again the the weapons the special attacks it's all varied across the board um mm. you might find you've you know you got a really strong fire weapon but also like a bunch of ranged attacks that are sort of more electricity based so like you kind of have to modify on the go and uh yeah it, and from a combat perspective you're you know, it's kind of like a dungeon crawler, like you're running through room to room. There's a little map that's displayed that you can use to kind of determine what rooms you haven't visited yet or where there are areas that you can explore more. And, you know, with the combat, you are you are using combos with the X button and the Y button to do heavy and light attacks. Um, there's dodges, there's parries. <laughs> there's going to be so many like parallels between Dreamscaper that you played and Boyfriend Dungeon that I played because like everything you're saying, I'm like, yep, I had that too. Yep, I had that too. Yep, I had that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, it, it is a cr it's crazy. And we didn't plan this ahead of time. So it's kind of like it, it, it's it's very fitting that this will be the roguelite episode uh, in terms of and in terms of there being two brand new ones out within the last week or so, it's, mm -hmm. it's it just really goes to show that the you know game developers aren't done with the genre, and neither are gamers. Because I, I think Dreamscaper is a lot of fun to play, and as someone who's played a lot of roguelites, it's nice to have one that is telling 
a more personal story as opposed to, and again, I have not played Boyfriend Dungeon, so maybe this is another <laughs> parallel, uh, but Dreamscaper is telling a very personal story about, you know, Cassidy, you know, um, becoming more, just dealing with her demons, dealing with moving to a new town, uh, meeting new people, and it's really interesting to see them explore a story of, of that kind in a roguelite, which is usually reserved for we need to kill as many people on the way out the door as possible, you know, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, Hades, not in a nutshell, there's a lot more to Hades, but that is the basic setup um, of that game. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. The combat takes a little getting used to because there's a lot to it. You know, you have two special abilities that are constantly changing and those are mapped to the bumpers of the controller. Sometimes it'll be like a, you know, advanced dodge, or sometimes it'll be casting a giant fire spell. But really, every run you do, you can set it up so you have random stuff across the board. So your kit is different every run. Um, the The levels do get a little repetitive, especially when you've done the first one as many times as I have in the first 10 hours of playing the game. But you can you can move a lot faster the more you've done it, the more powerful your character is. So yeah, if you're looking for, you know, one of two roguelites to play this week, I think Dreamscaper is a really good place to look. It's um, it's on Steam, and I think it's also on Switch, and it just came out of early access, so there's a lot of support from the community in terms of guides and, and helpful tips. So uh, yeah, definitely check out Dreamscaper. I really enjoyed my time with it. That's good. And I think, so. so you said you're about 10 hours in, but you're not done, right? Yeah, and I mean, like, remember the qualifier before that I'm terrible. So at, right. at this game, not a not a terrible person, just terrible at this game. Um, so yeah, I'm about halfway through. I think I've I've kind of hit a wall in the third level. Um, I've I've finished two of the bosses, uh, you know, and and uh, I think the third. Where am I? Did I even fight? I don't think I fought the third. I never got to the boss in the third level, you know, because the, the, the maps are all procedurally generated. So when you come in, um, you do have like a mini map that shows like sort of like an old school dungeon grid. So everything's like in little squares and it shows where the doors are. Uh, I, I usually try to explore everything before I go to the boss. So I have more resources, but in turn, I have found the boss level a couple times in the third level, but I haven't actually gone in there to fight them yet. Uh, mm. because I'm always trying to 100% the map. Um, but yeah, I'm about halfway through, I'd say. I think the story and the characters and the interactions that I'm having with those characters are starting to get to more of a, a personal level where we are talking about why Cassidy's here and what she's doing in town and you know how she's coping with you know um, past events in, in her life with her family. But uh in terms of like where this all goes, like I feel like there's still a lot more to go because a lot of Cassidy's history, which is the main part of the story and, you know, her story of her family. And I think um, it's not really a spoiler to say, but, you know, her sister had passed away. I haven't really found out how, but obviously it had a huge impact on her life. And that's sort of what's being explored, like in, in the dream world as mm. you progress. So I think like the first level is like, the town where she grew up. The second level is the city where she's moved now. Um, and you can obviously tell in just the environments that she's very, she's not comfortable with the city. Like it's a very, every memory she has, like she has good memories and bad memories of these places. 
And those are the memories you're picking up. And I think the third level is like a cottage that she went to as a family. So mm. the more we explore, the more we're seeing like places from her past and she's remembering these things and, and dealing with, you know, um, you know, her, her past and stuff. So it's, it's interesting. I, I have no idea where it's going to go, but I feel like, I feel like I've got a bit more to go. Like I, I'd say probably halfway is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. So by comparison, I've played eight hours now of boyfriend dungeon and I'm basically done. And when I say done, I mean like a hundred percented. So I went through and completed it. So basically the reason I picked up this game, because it combines two different game styles that I normally wouldn't touch with the 10 foot pole. So it's a combination roguelike dungeon crawler thing and a dating sim. Yeah. <laughs> and normally those are two kinds of games that I just would not play, like no interest whatsoever. But this game did come out this week and there was a lot of controversy with it because it was very much a like content warning type game. It was uh, kind of like marketed a little bit more on the lighthearted side, I guess. And I didn't play it, but I think you did. Um, but people are drawing comparisons between Boyfriend Dungeon and was it Doki Doki Literature Club? Wow. That's the one you played, right? Yeah, really? Okay. I did not yeah. see that comparison. I mean, I, I I mean, I played like maybe 30 minutes of Boyfriend Dungeon to get the, the gist of the game. Right. Um, and yeah, I did not anticipate <laughs> that's a hard swing. Doki Doki goes places. Yeah, I haven't played Doki Doki yet, but like this definitely like Boyfriend Dungeon also goes places and it did have a and does have a content warning right at the very beginning. But a lot of people were saying that the content warning was not strongly enough worded because I guess the original content warning said that there may be instances of stalking, gaslighting, harassment. Um, I can't remember. I feel like there was like four or five things, um, but the wording was very passive in the content warning. And what I found and what other people found is that um, there is one single antagonist. You're talking about story. This does have like one overarching story, like something bad is happening in the town. And um, the antagonist character is one that you have to interact with and you have to um, like, I guess, navigate conversations with him and you as a, I guess maybe that's a spoiler knowing it's him, uh, but it's very much like unavoidable where the content warning made it sound like if you played in a certain way, maybe you could avoid some of those potentially triggering moments. Uh, and you definitely can't like there. Th he is the main story dealing with him is the main story. You have to go. You have to go down that road. And so I think it upset a lot of people. Um, I would say like, I'm tr I don't want to give too much away. And again, like Ryan, I know when you played Doki Doki Literature Club, you kind of like alluded to a lot of stuff and I haven't played it, but I feel like you didn't spoil it. I'm going to try to do the same thing with this <laughs> while still conveying all the ideas in it. But um, it's so the main story, I think, does a really good job. So first of all, there's a lot of very, very diverse characters in this game. They 
talk about different themes that I think are really important. It's basically the polar opposite. Do you remember the game I talked about last week, which is a name I don't even want to mention because I don't want to give them any more publicity because their like thoughts on current social issues were so wrong. Um, this is the polar opposite of that. They're like, they're talking about, they've got like um, non-binary characters. You get to pick your pronouns at the beginning. You can literally romance anyone when you are any gender yourself. Like you can be a they, them, you can be a he or she, it doesn't matter. Um, and you can, so you can have any kind of relationship. So it's very like queer, positive, very like progressive. And it, <laughs> you know what? Never mind. Um, there's, well, I was, I was gonna say there's even ah, uh, but then I was like, ah, oh, that's kind of a spoiler, so I'm not going to. But there is a character that I didn't expect, and it doesn't go weird places. It goes good places. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Okay. Um, but yeah. So yeah, they do. They do a really good job, I think, of tackling some issues. They're like. Each character has their own, like, very, I think, well-fleshed-out story. Like, none of the characters feel too samey. And they have different, like, wants and needs as characters themselves. So it doesn't just feel like you can just plow through and bang them all, you know? Like, there's, like one character that's like, oh, no, I'm very much a wait for marriage kind of person. And then there's like somebody else who like has a whole other backstory. And like it explores a whole bunch of different kinds of relationships that can play out one way or another. And uh, or you also have the option with every character of saying, hey, I really like you. But let's just like, I really like you as a friend. Let's be besties. And like, I came out with a K-pop bestie. Like, it's great. <laughs> so like, you very much can play either the romance angle or the friendship angle while still like basically leveling up your character. And that's important because the whole like, I guess like twist or like driving force behind this game is the fact that the people that you're trying to romance are also your weapons <laughs> when you go into the dungeon. So each of the characters has their own weapon style. So like there's a girl who turns into a dagger. There's a guy who's an axe. There's a there's another guy who's like a, a, a scythe. And um, there's different kinds of swords. Like there's all kinds of different like combat styles represented by all those weapons. And you have to get your love meter up in order to both progress their story and unlock their like talent tree. So at each different level of love, you have um, different abilities that you unlock with the sword. So that's how, or with your weapon. So that's how you kind of become more powerful. And you go into these dungeons and like my, so far, the, or I guess I'm not, so, I'm, pre I'm pretty much done the game. I have um, two weapons left that are at level five of six and then I'm done the game. So um, but I have played through the entire main story. And like the biggest thing that I disliked was there's only two dungeons. Um, so there's a mall and there's a nightclub and that's it. So the though the combat was interesting and engaging, if you only played through the main storyline, as soon as I started to try to level up my weapons, 
Um, and just to kind of see all the stories and and see if there was anything I was missing in terms of the whole um, content warning controversy. Um, as I was playing through, it got super boring and repetitive because first of all, my character level got really high. So I just had more health and was doing more damage. But then also I was like, I knew all of the enemies and all of the moves and stuff. And like the the nightclub themed enemies and the mall themed enemies are different so that was nice but they all had like a, like there's you know a ranged enemy that sits back in the corner and spews projectiles at you sort of thing and that enemy is in both dungeons just with a different skin on it kind of thing which would again be fine but like i don't i just i wish there was even like 3 or 4 different style of dungeons because like i said once i started trying to level up all my characters then it was just like i got pretty sick of the theme pretty quickly but uh but i did want to see the story so there is kind of that flip side of it that even though the combat got old quickly it was still fun enough to keep me coming back because the stories were still really good so yeah like i really liked how they explored a whole bunch of different characters and they weren't just like one-dimensional fuck toys <laughs> like I, really yeah, like <laughs> I mean, I, i've never have i played i guess i play i'm trying to think if i've played a dating sim well yeah so i guess doki doki is it, it you don't actually date them right you more just have conversations i think because that's basically all this was too is it's just it's like navigating a tree of conversations and i'm not even 100 percent sure if you can fail like if you can choose options that make them not like you because you gain their like you fill up the love bar by like taking the weapons into the dungeon with you and using them in the dungeon. Um, you just kind of like gain that meter passively by like spending time with them in the dungeon. Uh, you can also like jump your relationship up by giving them gifts and you can give them the wrong gift but again there's no negative to that it's just like uh i don't actually want ballet tickets thanks a lot like <laughs> not my jam <laughs> so um but that doesn't really like make it so you can't talk to them anymore or anything like that you know like you can never fail to level up your weapons so it kind of has those like it's a, it's a good and bad system because in a dungeon crawler like a roguelike i don't want to be able to lose my progress in terms of my power level but if i'm doing a dating sim if nothing i say can ever make the relationship go bad that's not a very good simulator. <laughs> like I can put my foot in my mouth a lot <laughs> and I have ruined relationships before by doing so. So it's really weird that if you want to simulate a relationship that you only are able to go one way. <laughs> like, yeah. So it like, because they married the two concepts together, it becomes not as effective. I don't think. And I'm saying that, having fairly thoroughly enjoyed the game. <laughs> so, I mean, like maybe they they actually did it well then. I don't know. It just it seemed odd to me that there was nothing I could say that would actually make things go poorly. <laughs> and I tried. There were a couple of them. I'm like, 
what happens if I just say like, screw you, what you just said is stupid. And they were like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it to come out that way. I'm like, no, I'm being a jerk right now. Tell me I'm being a jerk. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, it's interesting that, uh, I mean, the biggest negative for a roguelike game would be the lack of environment changes. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's where Hades and Dreamscaper have really excelled, where you know there are at least five or six different biomes that you're going to be running through. And the fact that there's two, that's... Yeah, there was there was two, and there was kind of like... Well, I guess technically there was kind of maybe four, because there was like the like top levels of the nightclub and the mall, and then there was like the deep levels of the nightclub and the mall. But all that really did was like, so in the mall, there's cell phones that come after you. And in the upper levels, they're just easier. And in the lower levels, like their screens are red and they're harder to beat, but they don't actually like change much. And like in the deep levels of the mall, things are kind of grimy as opposed to like nice and pristine in the upper levels. Like it doesn't really change all that much. And the two different dungeons are also themed around like your fears and insecurities that you're supposed to get over. So like the mall represents your fear of change and then the the nightclub is your fear of intimacy. And I'm like, okay, but again, it feels like a theme that could have been explored further and then just wasn't. Like, I mean, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I got more than two fears. <laughs> so Malls and nightmares or malls and nightmares. Malls and uh, nightclubs are, are up there though, right? So I- Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I you're right. I I don't know why they wouldn't like it felt like it either didn't need that extra added layer to it if they weren't going to give you more dungeons, but then uh yeah, I don't know. If if they did want to give it that theme, then they should have done more dungeons. Do you know do you get what I'm saying? Like it just it felt really odd to only have two. <laughs> and because then it also it also meant that there was like a mini boss halfway through and then a big boss at the end. And so there were only three big bosses because the the third one is like the, the end of the game, basically. So you don't go into another themed dungeon. It's just like a boss battle. And it was like kind of maybe sort of difficult, but really not all that hard. Um, and so, yeah, they do make you have a fully maxed out weapon. That's the other thing. When you go into the final boss fight, you have to do it with a max level weapon. So it's like you also have a full move set. Like there's, it almost felt like there was no way to lose. (laughs) So, and I mean, the combat itself was kind of fun and the weapons all did feel very unique but um, yeah, again, I, ju- I just I found once I went in once or twice and, and kind of got a hang of the game, it the combat itself did start to get a little bit easy. I only like fainted and died like maybe six times over the course of my entire playthrough. So, yeah, it was it was maybe a little bit too easy. And there's actually an, a setting that you can turn on called the guardian shield or something like that, where you take 50% less damage. So you could like make it even easier. 
Um, and there's also like, so what you were talking about in Dreamscaper, there was a lot of very similar systems in Boyfriend Dungeon. So you can, as you're going through the dungeon, you're getting crafting materials, you can make gifts um, by, you know, like talking to, like going on dates and learning the stories of all of your different weapons and stuff. Then you can, you know, start to know what they like to do and you can give them the appropriate gifts because there's kind of like, oh, one thing that I wish that I knew going into the game is that I thought you would get crafting recipes and then be able to craft whatever you wanted. And you can only ever craft everything once. So you craft it once and then it's in your inventory. And once you give it as a gift, you can never craft it or gift it again. And there are like certain gifts that will get you like a super ultra mega bonus with a weapon. And then there's that same gift will get you like a smaller bonus with a couple of other weapons. And then a couple of the other weapons will hate it and won't want it. Um, so I think early on I gave some of my like would have been super mega ultra bonus gifts to the weapons that I just wanted to use all the time. And if I'd held on to it, if I'd realized I could only like craft it and gift it once then I would have gotten a bigger bonus and, you know, it would have been faster with the, uh, like, leveling up the other weapons. It's so, it's such a difficult game to talk about because, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I keep talking to, like, talking about weapons, but then the weapons are also people. And it's just, you have to, like, suspend your disbelief, like, so much. <laughs> yeah, and I one of the things right off the bat that you, that is a little alarming is that the weapons are talking as well as you know so they can talk in their in their weapon form but also in their human yes. form and they're yes. kind of like also hitting on you in their weapon form <laughs> so <laughs> it's like uh i don't know how to feel right now about this sword but it's, this is an interesting this is a great conversation and uh yeah like there's a lot to it um even early on the way they set it up as as these you're dating you are dating these weapons but there are humans that can turn into weapons or, or, or yes. characters that can turn into weapons. And yeah, it's it's a really interesting... I remember when it was first announced, that was sort of what they put forward as the... I don't want to say gimmick, but I guess it, that's not the, the right... Hook. The you hook. You can call it the hook. Yeah, it's not a gimmick, it's a hook. And it's a unique feature to this game is that the, you date the weapons, you bring them into the dungeons, you form relationships with you know the weapons. And... It sounds like they do that, and it sounds like they, they nail that. Yeah, you even go on, like, mini dates in the dungeons, because every oh. once in a while, you'll come across, like, the mall has an underground skating rink in it, because why not? Or, like, there's, like, an ice cream stand, or in the nightclub, there's a bar, and there's a stage, and a, and a dance floor and stuff, and so... When you come into those areas of the dungeon, there are no enemies and you can just like choose to have like a little conversation break, basically. And those times. Uh, so when you're out of the dungeon and you've hit a certain like you you've filled up your love bar. So you're at the next like stage of your relationship, basically. Um, then you'll go on like a date out in the world. And then that's like a whole big, long thing. But these little mini dates in the dungeon, I found the information in there was actually really helpful to decide what gifts to give. 
Um, so I think that like they were worth doing and they definitely got you bonus like love points, but at the same time, and they also were, um, when you completed them, it gave you an opportunity to give a gift. So you can't just give a gift anytime. Like the game has to like prompt you. And those were moments in the dungeons mostly was when you could give gifts. So like, again, navigating this whole gift giving, um, mechanic was a little bit more difficult than I would have liked it. Like I was literally, I was throwing gifts left, right and center at the beginning of the game. Cause I was like, Oh, who doesn't like pizza? Have pizza. And then I was like, Oh man, there's actually a guy that loves food. And now I don't have any food to give. Cause I can only make one pizza ever. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. I'm curious though. Like it sounds like, uh, I have my answer already, but you know, part of what makes, um, I don't know, a, a roguelite as well as a dating sim as well is the, is the story, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, 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 is the story there to, to want you to go to the end and see the ending for all these characters that you're, you're, uh, you're going into these dungeons with, like, does the story make you want to finish? Obviously it made you want to finish all of the, uh, all the experiences. So did you, did you find that that's a major draw for folks if they really enjoy the story? I mean, I'm going to say yes, but I think my big criticism of the story is that, um, each character, each weapon is very self-contained. Like you don't really need to, um, or I guess the main story isn't impacted based on, you know, like how many weapons you're juggling or, you know, like how which one you maybe choose to max out first or like there's no real tie in between the main storyline and how that progresses versus what you are doing in terms of the dating sim. Um the like I said, there is there is one character that I think uh, like right from the very beginning is very clearly the bad guy, the antagonist. Right. So you have to interact with him in order to further the story. And that for me, like I said, there's no way to basically make him go away or, you know, like which is also kind of part of the story as well. Um, but yeah, the main story, I think they maybe could have tied it into the stories of the weapons or they could have like changed the outcome or even like how you ended up interacting with this antagonist. I think they could have done a better job of that because it very much seems like each individual weapon has its own story. And then also there's the antagonist story and that's very clearly the main story and you have to further the main story in order to unlock the other dungeon. And it just, it feels like they're making you interact with the one character in the game you probably really don't want to interact with. And so that's a very negative experience in the main storyline, if that makes sense. It's like all the other stories are really well done and really interesting. And not that the main story isn't well done, but it just feels icky it feels bad you don't want to do it and that's not really a good way to um make a person want to keep playing if that makes sense 
I would have rather seen progression in the main story happen when you like reached a certain level with a certain character or something like that. You know, like the first time you hit level three with a weapon, then something else happens, you know? Um, but it very much wasn't that. You absolutely had to go through all of this like negativity and all of these like really bad experiences with this one antagonist character and that I could see that being very off-putting. Yeah, that is unfortunate that the progression to the game is tied to uh, like a storyline that that isn't as enjoyable as the other ones. And and I mean, it's kind of odd that they're all sort of separate. Like it's, it, and I mean, I don't know. Like, do those weapons know that you're seeing other weapons, or is it just all <laughs> happening? Um, you know, in their own silos. They're kind of in their own silos. Um, I don't remember there ever being a moment where one of my weapons was like, <laughs> hey, I saw you with that pole arm. <laughs> like, yeah. is she taller than me? Is that it? Like, <laughs> oh, this is it great was, stuff. There, yeah, there was, there was like nothing like that really that happened. It was very... Um, you you know what you didn't even really have the option to say like hey by the way i'm seeing other swords uh <laughs> it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was very much like um just yeah you never really um not that you didn't lock yourself down to characters because you definitely could say like yeah let's get it on and you could progress that with multiple characters and nobody really seemed to care. And some of them would straight up come out and say, I know you're dating other people and I don't care. Um, and some of them just never mention it. And yeah. And the, but the, like I said, there is also a moment where you can with each different character say like, yay or nay romantical feelings. And I think one of them really early on, because I did have a character that I really liked and so I was like, okay, I'm going to like continue down the storyline with her and like she's going to be my romantic interest. And then I met another sword and I was like, oh, he's really cool. But I don't want like I was worried that there would be some sort of like jealousy something going on or like it would piss off the the girl that I'd been talking to. So I made sure that very early on with the new sword, I was like, hey, just so you know, like we're just friends. Like that's all that's happening here. Um, and he was very much like, okay, cool. Yeah. Friends is good. And then like later on, so that was at like level one or two when it was giving me those options of like how to navigate that relationship. And then later on, he kind of went, huh? But, uh, now that you know me better, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, maybe we go upstairs. And I was like, no, we're friends. <laughs> and he was like, oh, cool. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> so uh, like it did kind of give you a couple of different times where you could make those choices. So it's like you weren't locked in right from the beginning one way or another. You could change your mind, which I think was also good. But again, like nobody really seemed to care. <laughs> like there's there was no commitments, shall we say, well, that's <laughs> in good. whatever it is, Verona Beach or, or whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a dating sim beach for sure. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I think, like, uh, it sounds like there's a lot to to like about the game. And, I mean... There is, there is. I think um, I maybe, like, didn't explain things well or, uh, like, sounds like I have a lot of gripes. And, and there were definitely some 
issues, but I think overall the fact that I wanted it to have more dungeons speaks to how much I was enjoying the content, right? Like if I wasn't enjoying it, I either would have stopped playing or I would have said, yeah, two dungeons is way more than it needed. Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, for me with roguelites, you need good story and good combat and good progression. Um, and it sounds, it sounds like they build the progression into the story very much so in Boyfriend Dungeon, where you are building that progression with, with you know, the weapons. Uh, and then you're getting that story, you're getting that payoff. Um, when you build up, you know, the weapons and you build out that story, I assume the weapons are also getting stronger and unlocking more, you know, power-ups and stuff. You know, yes, so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that checks out. I mean, it sounds like that's good. Each different weapon has six levels. And so you have to maximize like, so like you basically level up your weapons with that love XP. So your character has XP, but then each individual weapon has, has love. And so once you hit a certain level of love, then you'll get, get to the next level of their tech tree. And then I think it's like every other level has a choice that you can make. And it's like, so each weapon will have a very specific play style and combat style. And then you can basically choose. So for instance, um, the scythe will create like a gravity well, that's it, or like a black hole to pull everything in. And that's it's like special power. And so you get to a point where you can say either the gravity well is, say, bigger, like it, it has a bigger radius and will pull more stuff, or when it expires, it explodes. And so you have that choice to make at, like, level two, shall we say. I don't, I can't remember exactly all the different powers and all the stuff, but that's the sort of decisions you have to make. So you can kind of say, like, oh, hey, I'm more powerful now, so I kill things faster, so it would be better if you pulled a lot of stuff to me as opposed to exploding because nothing's left alive by the time the gravity well expires anyway, so I don't need that. So you can kind of like make those kind of choices in your tech tree, and there's one of those tech trees for each weapon. That sounds good. That sounds like a, a really good setup um, to kind of keep you engaged in trying to build up these characters. And the the weapons do actually really play differently. Um, that was the thing I really noticed is that there were a couple of weapons like that. Even if I found their character story compelling, I wouldn't have played with them just because like, so there's a dagger that I really liked playing with because it attacked very quickly. And so I found I could take things down very fast. And then there was also, um, uh, uh, like laser sword that did a lot of AOE damage right away. So I kind of played a lot with those two. And then there was another sword that was you had to be very, very accurate with it. And I, I don't even think I've really talked about it yet. But the way that you do combat and I don't know, because, again, I don't play a lot of roguelikes. So maybe this is just the way most of them do. But you moved your character around with like WASD, but then you like looked with the mouse and then your character would attack in the direction of where your mouse was which took me a long time to get used to. <laughs> so um, having a weapon that was much more AOE based or much faster in its attack speed, those suited my very inexperienced playstyle a lot more than like some of the other swords that were very like high damage, but 
you had to be very accurate with them because like half the time I couldn't even tell where my mouse was. And I was just like, ah, spam the attack button, blah, <laughs> like kill everything. <laughs> so, oh, one other thing I did want to mention about combat, you can kill projectiles. It took me like six floors to figure that out. Uh, that you can actually like, so when things are shooting at you, you can hit them with your sword and then they're gone. I thought I had to dodge them all and I was going insane. Oh, <laughs> so well, that's good. Yeah, you can kill projectiles. Pro tip, guys. Pro tip. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's uh, and that's one of the things that like, sometimes they don't really reveal the finer points of the combat in the tutorial. Mm-hmm. You just learn through you know, the five quick tips for, you know, playing boyfriend dungeon guides. And I think gift giving and uh, being able to negate projectiles with your attacks is probably two really good points. So, yeah, yeah. Just be careful with your gifts, guys. Just that's that's like my number one thing is just be careful who you give what, because they will be bigger bonuses for certain weapons than others. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it sounds really good. I might check this one out. I Again, I put a little time into it. And uh, maybe uh, instead of exploring the dream world, I'll explore some steamy dungeons. So yeah. <laughs> You could definitely give it a try. It's also uh, it's on sale right now. Um, so I think it's on sale for um, $18 Canadian instead of 20. So 10% off. Yeah, it's on Game Pass as well. That's where I played it. Um game pass for xbox i don't know if it's game pass for pc as well um i assume you're talking about steve <laughs> you know i never ever ever check game pass and I'm, I'm just i'm literally throwing money away at this point and i can't even refund it because i've i've literally played the entire thing like i can there's no way i can go to steam now and be like can i have my money back to be like no, no. <laughs> you have a hundred percent at the game this is not Get blockbuster <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this is on Game uh, yeah. Pass, and uh, you know, here's the thing, unless you're, like, really, they add new stuff to Game Pass every month, and I find they sometimes announce new stuff every two weeks, and then there's stuff like Boyfriend Dungeon, where it's, like, a, a, a couple days before, where it's like, yeah, it's coming to Game Pass, and, you know, Jocelyn, don't buy Humankind um, on okay. your PC, it's on Game Pass for PC, so, oh, thank you for telling me because that I literally was going to buy that. You were probably going to buy it and we were going to talk about it next week. And then I'd say, I yeah. put it on Game Pass. And then Jocelyn was like, oh, God damn it. I bought it. And here's the thing. Um, by buying the game, absolutely. That is the best way to support the developer because they get more money. But also playing the game on Game Pass also supports the developer. So there there are options here and i mean we just we just took a uh, different pass and maybe you should yeah. follow at <laughs> xbox game pass and yeah, i really should you know oh yeah i should uh and you know what we should do is we should take a moment to to talk about uh pokemon unite because this game is we played it together on the weekend it's free which is something i didn't kind of realize slash expect i kind of i like logged into my switch all ready to play with you guys and i was like oh man okay like let me get my credit card out like (laughs) assuming it was gonna be like a pokemon nintendo like here's your 90 (laughs) dollars thing and then it was like i'm free and i was like what get out of here pokemon (laughs) yeah so that was that was a pleasant surprise (laughs) like i was ready to play with you guys regardless but (laughs) oh well no we had a good time and and it was uh yeah it is free it's a pokemon moba 
And uh, Pokemon, the, you know, the Pokemon company has actually been doing a lot of uh, free-to-play games outside of their core offering. Yeah. I mean, Pokemon Go is obviously the biggest example. Obviously, yeah. But uh, there's been a lot of other little experiments. But I think Pokemon Unite feels like one of, uh, again, it's hard to talk about it in, in the same vein as Pokemon Go, which is the biggest, you know, Pokemon uh, free-to-play experience. But Pokemon Unite feels like the next offering from them that is a fully fledged game and free to play. Obviously there's lots of like monetization trappings in there with a battle Mm -hmm. pass and buying premium currency and heroes and stuff. So there's a lot of that in there, but yeah, free to play on your switch. It'll be on mobile in September. And uh, yeah, it's a really competent MOBA that you play with a controller and it's Pokemon. Uh, Mm -hmm. it works and i played both with the um the pro controller as well as the joy cons and i honestly i didn't find that big of a difference um obviously we now both of us have the zelda joy cons which are like the newer upgraded version or whatever they're not launch joy cons and i didn't actually find that much of a difference um control wise between the pro controller normally i'm just a straight up pro controller but uh i have been uh, enjoying my joy cons quite a lot so i was using them for the first half and then i switched over to the pro controller it wasn't all that different i think it works either way um i will say the fact that there's no squirtle hurts my soul Um, oh it's coming soon though Oh, is he? Okay, good. Because honestly, like I got in there and I was like, oh, look, there's Pikachu and Charmander and Bulbasaur. I'm going to go play Squirtle. <gasps> there is no Squirtle. <laughs> like, he's the only one I wanted. He's always my starter Pokemon. <laughs> I always go water. <laughs> Pretty great. Yeah, Squirtle. Uh, so Blastoise was in the original, I think, Unveil. So they definitely have his character and his kit sort of worked on. Uh, he was supposed to be available. I, there's been a bit of controversy on the internet today or this week. Um, there's always controversy, but yeah, specific there's... to Pokemon <laughs> Unite, uh, they announced the next character is going to be uh, Chansey's evolution. So Chansey being the um, the base Pokemon, unless they go, I don't know if they'll go, there's a baby Chansey. Anyways, Pokemon. Um, but they're upset that it's not Squirtle because they figured Squirtle would be the next edition. Cause you have the starters, you know, the, yeah, the original start. Yeah. Um, so hopefully soon, hopefully soon. Um, but yeah, Chansey is being added right now. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they appear to be adding, you know, to the game. It's really crazy that we're getting our first sort of Pokemon edition in the game's only been out for, I think less than a month. It is. Yeah, it is still pretty new. And and I, I will say I I had a pretty good time. However, Heroes of the Storm is still my favorite MOBA aside from probably Smite. But Smite, we never really played the way it was meant to be played with the different lanes and, and roles and stuff. We always used to play the just ARAM mode. And so... Pokemon Unite does the same thing that other MOBAs do aside from Heroes of the Storm, which is the whole last hit uh, individual XP thing, which especially when I'm learning, oh my God, I found it so difficult because I was like, first of all, we were getting, I think, harder games than we 
would have if it had just been you and I, Ryan, because we were also playing with Bo and Tweep, who were both, I think, in Platinum when we played on the weekend. Yeah, uh, they'd they'd been playing a lot of it. And I think they were per, they were probably like pulling us up in terms of the difficulty of our of of our opponents. So I found it to be very, very punishing and really hard to learn because other people were just totally dominating me. So I wasn't getting the experience that I needed to keep my character like caught up with my team. And that was one thing that I thought heroes always did really well at is that you kind of win or lose as a team and you can't just like funnel all the experience to your best player or to your highest damage or, you know, whatever. And I think that that is just a more fun experience for me. And I know that not everybody who plays MOBAs likes that. They like the strategy around being able to funnel XP to a single player. But um, I think just overall, Heroes, I thought, was a more team-based game, made me feel like I was part of a team, and I really enjoyed that about it. So when when it got into this last hit, you know, single XP thing in Pokemon Unite, I was like, okay, maybe this is not going to be my jam, but I can see myself playing in a in a four or five stack with my friends, sure, when they don't care about winning. Because <laughs> when I'm on your team, guys, spoiler alert, you're just not going to win. <laughs> yeah. Or the add Squirtle is the yes, other qualifier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think overall it was it's fun. I mean, I especially since it's free, I can recommend it because it's free. So go tr- go check it out. Go try it. And like Ryan said, it's going to be on mobile. Um in a month in september yeah they say september we don't have a date yet um and and you know if you have a nintendo switch as justin said it's free to download there's a very generous sort of um opening salvo of gifts and stuff so there's like a login bonus and you're getting um you get to choose your first pokemon right off the bat and i think you can choose from some pretty heavy hitters like Charizard's mm-hmm. in there. and Yeah, I picked, uh, yeah, I picked Charmander, but I think uh, Pikachu was also a choice and he's very good in the meta right now, according to Bo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was there. Pikachu was killing me. Oh, yeah, he was kicking my butt. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's a lot in there. And I mean, even just by playing, you know, a couple matches a, a day, uh, the matches are very short, 10 minutes tops. Yeah, they're capped at 10 minutes, yeah. which I thought was really interesting. So it's just going to be 10 minutes regardless. Like at the end of that, everybody, both sides get a score. Whoever has the highest score wins. Yeah, it's very simple. And, you know, I think I learned a lot by playing with Bo and Tweet because, you know, in the matches I was playing, just getting going, you just, you just run through the, you know, the, the standard gameplay of killing, you know, uh, the, I call it the creeps, but, uh, I guess it would be just other rando they're Pokemon. wild. Yeah. They're wild Pokemon. Yeah. They just kind of spawn throughout the map. They don't follow the lanes the way no. that other MOBAs have their creeps following the lanes. Oh, that's a good point. I, I, it's been a while since I played other MOBA. Yeah, you have to kind of like leave your lane and go seek them out. Yeah, exactly. But when you're leaving your lane, that does leave like your score. Your goal undefended. Yeah, your goals, yeah. Uh, undefended. But yeah, basically in, when you're playing right off the bat, you're basically just running down the lanes and, and doing, you know, scoring the points. But I, I realized like, you know, in our discussions while playing, um, there's a lot more meta around like some of the Pokemon that pop up. They're, they're on timers. They show up on the minimap and they offer buffs. And they offer, you know, bonuses to your team. And and that's where the last hit, you know, kill stealing can be really frustrating, uh, especially when you're fighting like 
the major boss in the middle in the last two minutes, which basically turns maybe an uneven fight into a more fair fight. So, you know, we we were fighting Zapdos in the middle and we had it stolen from us a couple times where we got it all the way down and then someone came in from the other team and was basically waiting with their, you know, ranged attack. Their one ranged that. ability, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was really frustrating. But again, it's it's part of the game. But we, we've had the opposite where I think the one match... The one match we oh, won. Oh, I, I stole it by accident. <laughs> yeah, you had stole it by accident. And there was another instance where, yeah, when we when you had stole it by accident, it's like, oh, I don't know if we're going to have time. But basically, once you kill Zapdos, it gives you the ability to instant score. So usually there's a ramp up that can be interrupted when you're trying to score. But if you have Zapdos down, you can just go in, hit the X button, and you score instantly. Plus, it doubles the amount of points you get. Um, in the last two minutes. So I had 50 saved up. There was 10 seconds left in the match. I run to the goal, hit the X button with like a couple seconds to spare. We get to the score screen. We literally won by 100 points, you know? Mm -hmm. So there are these opportunities at the end of the match to turn the tides. So, which is kind of weird because there is a surrender option in the game and you do have people spamming it when they feel they've quote unquote lost. Yeah, that was the one thing because we were playing with a four stack. So we always had one random and I'm like, I'm learning the game. Stop surrendering. Just <laughs> like the longer we spend in here, the more I'm going to learn, the better I'm going to get for next time. Stop yeah. being a jerk. And he literally <laughs> had to wait like a minute to, to yeah. let the match run out. And I think that's the thing where there are obvious moments where you you can surrender and that makes sense. But like we did have a few people like spamming surrender just because we hadn't been doing so well. And then they just waited, they AFK'd in our home base, which was yeah. doubly frustrating. Yeah, that makes it even harder, which is funny because there is that last two minutes catch up mechanic that is available. So, I mean, I always find giving up weird when the game provides you with a way to come back. So, I mean, yeah, but overall, I think it was it was pretty fun. I don't know how much more of it I'm going to play, but uh, maybe when it comes to mobile, then uh, then that'll be a little bit different because, again, when I'm playing on the Switch, I'm kind of tied to the TV, right? So I might might play it a little bit more uh, when it's on mobile, but we'll have to see. If you guys enjoy the content that we are putting forward, please do head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin to support the show like our most recent patron Adam did. Adam, thank you so much for the support. Again, you can head on over to patreon.com slash thegamersin. That brings us to the news section of the show. We have a little bit of an update for you on the Activision Blizzard uh, lawsuit. Basically, um, there have been more, and I don't know if this is actually part of the lawsuit or not. Maybe, Ryan, you can like let me know if I'm too, too far off base, but um, the QA testers and the customer service people um, have basically come out and talked a lot about the toxic culture in those two specific departments because those people tend to be contract employees. And it's kind of this whole other unfair worker practices like conversation. So this is why I don't feel like it's directly tied to the lawsuit. However, um, they're definitely like really, uh, I guess, bad victims of, of basically all the stuff we've kind of been talking about around video games for the past few years in terms of like the, the um, not having like job security, uh, being part of the crunch that was, that was talked about quite a lot, uh, mandatory overtime, all that kind of stuff. 
And the reason why it's so bad in those two departments is, again, because they are contract employees. So they feel like even when Blizzard says it's totally optional, they're like, yeah, it's not actually optional overtime. Like, you'll terminate my contract if I don't come in for, you know, seven, 12 hour days in a row. <laughs> so there is uh, quite a long article over on Polygon about um, those kind of like toxic workplace uh, cultures that are going on in those two specific departments. Was there anything else that that I kind of missed out of that news? <laughs> no, that, that was the the gist of it. And I and I think you know we've obviously talked about this before with video game developers, um, you know, holding full time positions above the heads of of contract workers. Like, oh, work this big long shift one more time, get a good performance review, and we'll look at upgrading you. And and I think like obviously not exclusive to Activision Blizzard, but the mm-hmm. lawsuit is bringing these stories forward, which is good. And I I think um, can only lead to to positive change uh, the more we, we keep talking about it. And that's, that's why, you know, we've made a point of having these updates on the show because uh, they just keep coming. Um, mm-hmm. There has been less, but there are, the employees are still fighting you know, to, yes, to get, have yeah. their demands met. And um, these stories keep keep it fresh in the minds of, of the media because it, with the media, s- stories fall off the front page in hours these days, mm-hmm. sometimes less, depending on what's going on. So, yeah, it is unfortunate that, that these, um, these things are happening, but uh, the stories that are being told here from the QA perspective, it's, if you read through the article, it's, it's pretty shitty behavior that is happening. Yeah, honestly, I couldn't believe that customer service was lumped in with this because, I mean, they always say in like every industry that it is much easier and more cost effective to keep the customers you already have than it is to try and go out and get more. Um, and so the fact that they have, especially to customer service in video games, like the amount of abuse that they take, like gamers as a group, are very negative and can be truly horrible um, to both each other and to developers. So the fact that the basically like your front line of defense is made up of a whole bunch of contract workers. Are you kidding me? You should be like lavishing them with praise for sticking with you. Like, oh my God, that just blew my mind because I can only imagine as someone who has been a social media manager for a gaming event company, like, I was a little bit insulated just because I was dealing with a very small subsection of that because I was specifically in charge of Hearthstone and Rocket League. And so like those communities were like a little bit more manageable just because they were a little bit smaller. And uh, but yeah, still like it was just like, man, I can only imagine being a social media or customer service person for Blizzard right now. Like, holy crap, the stuff that they must and hear on a daily basis and then you're telling me these people aren't permanent Poof, man blizzard has and activision oh man they are making all kinds of mistakes and i understand that like i've also been a contract worker for my entire career so like i understand that that is a like just the contract economy is very much the way businesses have gone for the past like 10 years or so probably a little bit longer um is this kind of disposable worker mentality so this isn't even tech specific but um i feel like there's just 
certain positions in your organization that you just want to try to hang on to those people when you get them, right? Like there should just be some jobs that just are permanent with a lot of benefits. And I feel like front-facing customer service and video game companies should be on that list. Well, QA as well, like quality assurance. Yeah, not to say anybody's disposable. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you are a corporation that has this kind of contracts or better mentality, then like you should still be putting that carrot on the stick for some specific jobs. And yeah, customer service should be something that you are actively incentivizing because I can't imagine there are a lot of people who want to stay in that role. <laughs> no, no. And I mean, um, you know, quality assurance, customer service, those are entry level positions that often um, will lead to uh, other departments working in other departments, right? As you get more experience and and you get to know the company more, like there are those opportunities. Um, but it sounds like, specifically, you know, uh, with with this Blizzard Activision story, um, employees were not given those opportunities. Some employees weren't given those opportunities, and there was mm-hmm. discrimination going on and and that sort of stuff. So it's just really un- unfortunate that that this stuff has has happened and we will likely get more stories as the lawsuits unfold. Absolutely. Uh, we do have a couple of, of good news announcements though. Uh, Frostpunk two has been announced now officially. And the big hook this time around is that you're no longer going to be chasing coal. It's 30 years after the events of the first game of, of the big blizzard that almost wiped out humanity. And instead of chasing coal, you'll now be chasing oil. So, the uh tr- the announcement trailer i thought was really cool it's definitely um in the same like vein and theme and like you look at it and you're just like oh yeah okay this is frostbunk for sure so i i can't wait and there's no other information about it there's no release date there's no nothing but i'm just like oh, i'm so glad they're working on it cuz oh i just i cannot get enough of frostbunk i can't it's it's too good yeah <laughs> bleak and hopeless but good (laughs) the systems in that game are just so great and i know there are really tough choices to make uh in frostpunk and and that has turned off a lot of folks from playing that game but um yeah i was a little worried there was a lot of stories out there where you know 11-bit studios was saying like ah we're not looking to this is the final frostpunk dlc and Mm -hmm. we're looking to do other projects um but i'm so excited and i mean i i I think uh, we should have assumed they were doing a sequel just based on some of the teasing they were doing for the next project they were going to unveil. But uh, yeah, you're right. This is a ways off. Uh, It's very early. We didn't see any gameplay. This was strictly, you know, um, a cinematic giving us the Mm -hmm. concept and the setup. So yeah, wish list now. Wait a couple years. It sounds like it might be a twenty, late 2022, maybe 2023 game. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They also did release like a um, like a a newspaper front page kind of thing. So there's a couple of little like flavor articles you can go and read. And um, it's yeah, it's it's really kind of interesting. So I'm looking forward to seeing what is going to come out of that. And when we actually get a release date. But again, it'll probably be a while a while away yet. Um, we also got a trailer for Fortnite Imposters, which is Pretty much Fortnite's take on Among Us. So 
Um, if you guys are into Among Us or into Fortnite, a lot of people have been saying that Fortnite is, you know, late to the party. But I think that uh, Among Us is still very popular, maybe not as much as it was in the height of its popularity, but it's still up there. I think um, Fortnite getting in on this is probably a good idea for them. I don't think that they're too late. Um, a lot of people said the same sort of thing about Hearthstone Battlegrounds, that they were, you know, too late to the auto-battler world. Um, some will even argue that it's not exactly an auto-battler, but, you know, it's an auto-battler within a card game. It's kind of its own thing, but still, it is... Uh, very, very wildly popular Battlegrounds is. So I think that like if you have a company who has a large fan base and they are able to do a very polished take on an existing kind of game style, I think it's going to be successful. So I think that this um, Fortnite imposters, because Fortnite is still huge, right? Oh, yeah. Like, so I'm sure that the Fortnite does um, a crossover with Among Well, not, not a crossover with, I shouldn't say that because this, this is not like Fortnite meets among us in no. some sort of like contracted crossover thing like this is Fortnite doing their interpretation of the among us game style <laughs> so which i don't does that have a name like the style of game that among us is does it have a name i don't i've never heard of it I've, I've always i mean among us always seems like it was his own thing well, I mean, there's board games that do this thing. Like, I think there's like werewolf something and oh, there's yeah. like, um, oh, my God, what's the other one there? It's like it's spies, but I can't remember what it is. But there's board games that have done this kind of thing. There's like um, Town of Salem and Throne of Lies that are also kind of similar, although Among Us kind of simplified the concept a little bit and also gave you stuff to do uh, with the tasks and things. So they did their, again, own spin on it. But I feel like there's got to be a word, like a, a, a genre <laughs> that I just am totally blanking on. You guys can write in or you can tweet me and let me know or, or hit me up in the Discord, which is bit.ly slash TGI Discord. If you guys want to tell me what genre Among Us is, because it's got to have a name. It's got to have a name. <laughs> um, and then one one final piece of news that we did want to talk about. And I know, like, if you guys don't want to hear about it, it's Dead by Daylight news. So maybe, you know, like, <laughs> have a good week. We'll see you next week. But um, I think that this is actually worth talking about because very specifically, uh, the Stranger Things license within Dead by Daylight seems to have either lapsed or come to an end or have been ended by Netflix, which considering all of the Netflix news that we've had lately with them kind of branching off and going into gaming specifically, now we don't know what form that's really going to take yet because they haven't released any products. But um, I think that uh, this is, I mean, I don't They neither side has come out and said exactly what happened. <laughs> They've basically just said dead by daylight, put up a post and said, Hey, this is your last chance to buy stranger things. Uh, you will no longer be able to purchase the DLC after November something, uh, 17th or 21st. I can't remember. Um, after that date, you will no longer be able to purchase. So Nancy and Steve are survivors within Dead by Daylight. And then the Demogorgon is a killer. You will no longer be able to buy them or unlock them in any way past that date. And also the Hawkins Laboratory map is going to be removed from rotation. So you will no longer see the laboratory in your Dead by Daylight games. And this is the first time and Dead by Daylight has been around the fifth anniversary was in July. So over five years now. 
they have never lost a license before, which is what makes me think that this is like, this is a, a special case and driven by the Netflix side of things because it's so weird for them to remove content from the game. Like, I mean, there must have been an escape clause written into the contract and maybe there are in all of their licensed contracts. I don't know. Uh, but Netflix will be the first company, if that clause exists, to exercise that right. I have no idea. Maybe they're just breaking the contract and saying, get our stuff out of your game and they're paying whatever money to do that. I don't know. Again, all of this stuff is speculation. It's behind closed doors. No, neither side has said anything. So I don't really know what broke the contract, just that Stranger Things. So the Demogorgon, Nancy and Steve will still be playable because if you've purchased the DLC, then you own those characters. So that's not changing. You just won't be able to access them like you won't be able to buy them after a certain date. So it's nuts. It's it's literally unprecedented in Dead by Daylight for them to lose a license. So yeah, there's a couple of things that, that pop into my my head when I think of this. And, you know, it's it, first of all, it's wild because Stranger Things season four is going to be coming out next year. So mm -hmm. it seems like you'd want to keep Stranger Things front and center um, to remove it from Dead by Daylight seems like, a, you know, the work's already done. So to remove it, yeah. are they going to put it in another, you know, 4v1 game? Are they going to make a Stranger Things 4v1 game? I don't know. <laughs> like, I would assume because there are other properties that have tried the 4v1 formula and... Dead by Daylight just is the biggest, most successful one to date, right? Um, they have a wide variety of licenses, which gives them a wide variety of gameplay. Any other games that have tried to do this, um, Friday the 13th is okay, but nowhere near as popular. Um, there was also uh, something about silence or something where, like, the killer was only able or like couldn't see and would kind of like a bat could only see with sound or something like it weird. Um, and then there was the one that we talked about home sweet home. Sur was that home sweet home survival or something? I think so. Sounds familiar. Yeah, I know it was home sweet home. I just can't remember what it was like home sweet home colon dead by daylight cologne. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. uh, like, and, and again, like it, it was kind of popular for a couple weeks and then kind of died off a little bit. So none of the standalone, like solo franchise versions of this, like four V one asymmetrical PVP horror genre have done nearly as well as dead by daylight has. So if what you're trying to do is make a stranger things version of that, then like you're probably not going to be as successful. And I think it would have been better if instead you either repartnered with Dead by Daylight to bring out a new killer and survivor set or like put out new cosmetics or something like work with the game that already has the following as opposed to trying to make your own thing. Because that's the only reason I can think of to pull your content, like pull the license is if you're going to do your own thing. And and it may not be a direct, like, competitor to Dead by Daylight, but, like, even if you're going to do some sort of, like, choose-your-own-adventure thing or some sort of, like, telltale adventure kind of game, like, those, again, don't directly compete with Dead by Daylight, so why wouldn't you just want your license out there in as many places as possible to hit as many horror audiences as possible? Like, 
It just doesn't make any sense, Ryan. I don't get it. <laughs> well, the other thing that kind of pops into my head, the second thing, it was basically Stranger Things feels like the only, and I, I could be wrong, I don't play Dead by Daylight as much as you, so I may not be familiar with all the added DLC, but Stranger Things feels like the only licensed property that is still an ongoing phenomenon, right? Like, Scream. Like, you mean, like, contemporary kind of thing yeah like i i know people still think of well i mean we just had resident evil oh yeah okay well there you go that that is a very (laughs) good literally the most recent yeah (laughs) and i can't believe i spaced on that (laughs) the new one i think is um is hellraiser uh which uh is like you're right is an older horror property um but then there was silent hill too um what else has been a little bit more yeah and you're right in stranger things um Stranger Things is definitely up there with the most, some of the most contemporary content for sure. And arguably the Resident Evil content was pulled from Resident Evil 2. Yeah. I think. Two and three. Yeah. Not, not eight, which just came out. So, I mean, you could also argue that that's older content as well. Like Stranger Things is definitely up there with some of the newest licensed stuff for sure. I was just more thinking of like, freddy krueger and some of the more 80s 90s uh horror phenomenon that was was licensed yeah scream michael myers yeah yeah but resident evil is a good example of content that but but then that's like game to game and you know uh there's there's some connections there but i think like my biggest thing is the removal of the stranger things map i know that is technically free content but removing a whole map that's based around the killers and survivors that you have, like that's a big, a big deal. And I and I really think like I look at this news and I'm like, okay, well, what what are we gonna lose next? Like, are you are you like I, I find it so strange that the developers behind Dead by Daylight would do a, a limited two year deal with netflix that's wild i don't feel like i mean they might have for all we know all of their contracts expire every year and have to be renegotiated or whatever like i don't know i'm Mm. not a contract lawyer (laughs) i am not privy to the backdoor dealings of behavior and you know what deals they may have with these companies to get these licenses but um I can't imagine they ever would have gone into an agreement with Netflix that had a like an end date, like in two years is just so weird and random again. Like, yeah. So I don't know. I this to me, my gut tells me that Netflix pulled the license. But like I said, neither side is saying anything right now. So I'm going to keep an eye on it for you guys, because I do think that um, in within the context of all the other Netflix news that we've had with them moving into the gaming space, I do think that this is kind of pertinent but um, I'll keep you guys updated if I see anything else um, along these lines because I do think it's really interesting and uh, maybe will give us some hints as to as to what Netflix is actually thinking uh, in terms of moving into the gaming space. But that is going to do it for us this week. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. And remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Yeah.